0: welcome to what's important now making time for what matters most with eva Medelec. if you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges you will want to listen close as eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first now here's your host eva Medalek.
1: Well, hello everyone, I'm Eva Medelek and welcome to today's show. Today I have as my special guest, Cherie Trask. Now Cherie is a seasoned ghostwriter, a nonfiction book writing coach, and the author of Surviving Silence, a healing path to living out loud after trauma. She supports coaches, healers, and transformational leaders ready to write their transformational book, so they can make a bigger impact, build authority, and be recognized as a leader in their field. Cherie has ghost written books for some of the most influential names in the personal development and holistic health space. And today she's here to talk about her book, Surviving Silence. So welcome to the show today, Cherie, and congratulations on the book and bestseller status. And I'm really excited to dive deeper into that with you
2: yeah thank you so much for having me
1: it's great so um here's the thing i want the audience our listeners right now to get to know a little bit about who you are as a person before we get more into you know what you do who you help and what inspired you to write this book so who is Cherie the person Such a big question. (laughs) I know most people get like, I don't know, who am I? I don't
2: know, who am I? That's
1: like something my therapist asked me. (laughs) I
2: love it. Um, So at my core, I am somebody who deeply desires to be of service. And for me, what that looks like is being able to support, as I do, people with their stories. So I am just somebody who grew up in a small town with a single mom and loved all things sports, life, um, friends, all of those things. And of course, sometimes life takes you down a path that you don't expect, which opens the door to opportunities that, again, you didn't expect. And and that's kind of the story of my life. I feel like I've reinvented myself more times than I can count, just based on the experiences that I've had in my life. So who am I is whoever I decide to be today. <laughs> I
1: guess. You know, <laughs> well, it's always I, I love changing. the piece about reinventing yourself. Yeah. Because um a lot of people, to be honest, are afraid to reinvent themselves or don't know how. I mean, I'm probably on my third reinvention. I call it midlife crisis. I had my first, that's what I did the first one. That's what I did the second one. I'm about to have a third. And that just means, you know, doing something different and more exciting. It, it's that growth yeah. journey. You know, we, we've all, you know, you and I met on a personal development growth journey um, mm-hmm. a number of years ago. And I remember at that time, you know, I knew that what I was doing for a living at that time was not what I wanted to do the rest of my life. And I was really, really lost. And I don't want to say hopeless, but I didn't think at that age, that's when I I was in my fifties. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I could do or how I could reinvent myself and what that would look like. So, you know, that is really something, an accomplishment in yourself and in, in, in and of itself is what I'm trying to say, that you have that ability to to do something different to go where life takes you and not be be afraid of what it's holding so what can you share about one of your reinventions
2: yeah i mean so for anybody who's into the horoscope world i'm a scorpio so it's no surprise that i'm into constant reinvention i like to go deep i like shedding skin i like being able to see what's under underneath it all Um, i tend to really enjoy going to the places people don't want to go, the uncomfortable places. So for me, I think the biggest reinvention, honestly, was a long time ago now, which this is the basis of the book. But um, when I was 19, I was sexually assaulted and I was in college thinking that I was going to work in TV and film. I got my degree in visual communications as a stylist and was so excited about that all of the opportunities that were available. And when that happened, it was so abundantly clear that my entire purpose on this planet had nothing to do with that. And it had everything to do with who I would become through the journey of rediscovering pieces of myself or discovering for the first time pieces of myself that I hadn't tapped into and being a voice for the voiceless. So. Of course, that takes me into which I won't go into right now, but it takes me into what I do for a living now. Um, but I learned so much not only about myself in the process of, of course, sexual assault being an entirely new experience that I had, I had never had, nor had I any idea what to do with it. Um, but there has to be a reason that this happened. There has to be a reason that we that you know, uh, or, or a purpose behind all of it and a reason to um, kind of access these pieces that I, I wasn't ready to access at the time. I had grown up in an environment that my grandmother believed wholeheartedly that everything happened for a reason, whether we saw that reason or not. So I was raised with raised with that belief. So when my assault happened that same night, I had gone into my car right afterwards and I was sobbing and praying like, oh my God, I can't believe this just happened to me. What am I supposed to do with it? And I vowed before I would even leave my parking spot that I would forgive my perpetrator that night. And I did. And I don't know how long I sat there, but I was able to release the, not all of the anger, but release the the. I guess, attachment I had to him doing something to me and being committed to understanding why did this happen, that this has to be for me in some way. Even if the the universe is like, I can't give you that answer, I was determined to find that answer for myself. So it, I spent the next three and a half years in silence. I didn't tell anybody what had happened. Um, I didn't tell anybody that it had resulted in an ectopic pregnancy. I didn't tell anybody any of these things. And it manifests physically for me. And I spent the rest of my 20s, nine years of my 20s, sick in a hospital bed, um, trying to understand why did this happen? Why did this happen? So i would say that was an enormous reinvention of the person that i believed that i was and the person that i was almost forced to step into and get to know as a way to step further into my purpose the reason i'm here and be able to continue serving in a way that really felt authentic to me and believe me it has not been an easy journey and i don't think that the process ever stops unless you decide for it to i think healing is continuous just depends on how deep you want to (laughs) go and for me that's that's always evolving yeah
1: they don't call it a journey for nothing right exactly (laughs) it is quite the journey.
2: so um well thank
1: you for sharing that story and i know we'll get into that even deeper as we talk about uh the book and the stories in the book and what you've learned from that but i am a uh Like your grandma, I believe that everything happens for a reason, even though we don't know what that is. Uh, At the time, I know when I discovered my husband's infidelity, the first thing I thought was, you know, wow, this is going to make a great story one day. You know, as I was dealing with the (laughs) shock and the pain and the hurt and all of that, I really thought that whatever lesson I needed to learn was this was happening for me. And I really saw my responsibility in in the um, the breakdown, if you will, of my marriage. And it just became abundantly clear that, you know, I was waiting to be a better person until, you know, as soon as I, you know, my business grows as much. And as soon as I do this, and you know, I will stop being busy and rest and take care of myself and stop being, you know, a cranky, overachieving woman at that time. And <laughs> um, it needed to happen right then and there. And i was really grateful i mean a lot of times i would say you know his infidelity saved our marriage because it did Mm -hmm. we were able to really rebuild out of the ashes if you will and but it's hard for other people to it's hard for people most people i would say to to look at their experiences in life that could have them go into victim mode if you will Mm Uh, as an opportunity for what less, what do I need to learn? How do I need to grow out of this experience? And what is there for me to create a better version for me me Mm -hmm. and to serve others? So this is a good segue into, you know, how do you help and serve others now? What problems do you solve?
2: Yeah. So as a ghostwriter and a book writing coach, I support what I say, courageous souls in sharing their messages. So I'm only in the transformational nonfiction space. That means the personal development, self-help, and teaching memoir. Um, My clients that are like CEOs and C-level executives, they're also telling their personal stories within their books. So some people are sharing their stories for the first time of triumph and transformation through these pages, which can be incredibly terrifying for a lot of people. And I completely get that. So I have the privilege and honor of holding these stories with care. Some of them I'm writing for these people, and others I'm coaching them through the process of sharing their own stories. Um, so I, every single day, I, I just get to witness really brave spirits saying, I'm going to use this and do something with it. And I, I'm just so grateful. So,
1: how did it lead to to that for you? You know, to being a, a ghostwriter. Where did the the writing gene <laughs> come from?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I ever since I was a kid, like you know, people would be playing outside and doing all the kid things, and my mom would often find me in a fort with my journal writing stories. And I never though thought that that would be what I would do for a living ever. Fast forward. Through the sexual assault, my journal was my therapist. My journal was everything. It was where I went to feel safe. It's where I told my deepest, darkest secrets, my biggest truths, the things that I wasn't saying out loud. And from that point, when all of this happened and I was going through my journey in the beginning of being sick and everything, again, it was one of those things that everybody was out having a good time. I was stuck in a hospital bed, so I was just writing. From there, I started writing for a health and fitness magazine because I did end up going back to school for holistic health and nutrition as a way to heal my own body. Um, and somebody had met me at the gym. He's like, Hey, I, I've heard of you. You know autoimmune disease. That's your background, right? And I was like, It is. He's like, Would you go start a book for me on autoimmune disease? And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm like, Totally. <laughs> I have no idea how to write a book, but I'll figure it out. So I handed him a book four days later and um, he was like, how did you write a book in four days? And I said, I don't know, to be honest, it might be crap. You should read it. And if it's good, we can have a conversation. And that kind of snowballed everything and kind of moved me in the trajectory of um, not just writing books. I was, I was writing all of his books from that point forward, but also just writing content and copy and and building teams for different startup companies. And I, I was always an entrepreneur. So Um, I found that through that process, what I loved deeply was the telling of other people's stories and seeing them on the other side when that manuscript was done. And they were like, oh, my God, I actually did it. So that's I mean, it's been almost 11 years now that I've been professionally writing and I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, stories
1: connect. Absolutely. And I remember I was in a kind of a six week kind of storytelling, I don't know, boot camp mastermind, whatever you want to call it, with um, Chris Smith. I don't know if you've, mm-hmm. heard, you've heard of him. And um, and one thing that he said really stuck to me, goes, a story not shared doesn't serve. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really powerful for us to share our stories. I was on a mastermind call this morning, and um, yesterday I had I just did a quick post about some of the overwhelm that I was feeling that we talked about before we started the show and how I just kind of shut off everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, computer, TV, closed the drapes, was in the dark and just laid in bed with my eyes closed because I just was feeling the effects of like, ooh, overwhelm is is coming to me. And um, you know, what is it telling me that I need to do? You know, I look mm-hmm. at it as information, right? And so I shared that in a post. Because, you know, we share everything in posts most of the time. But somebody who was on that mastermind actually read that post. And she shared with me how much that post meant to her. Like, Mm. someone like you experiences overwhelm. It's like, Mm. yeah, I'm human. You know, we all do. But it's just like, I use it as information. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: I try not to, like, white knuckle through it. But anyway, just me sharing that story actually inspired someone to not feel so alone totally, with what she was experiencing at that time. And in those, those moments. So mm-hmm. I think you mentioned this earlier, but I want to just um, ask you again, who are you for? And by that, I mean what types of people need to come to you for um for writing a book? Because they say everybody has a book within them, right? Right. One coach that says, and that book should stay within them. But um, (laughs) who are you for and who are you not for when it comes to the type of projects that you take on?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I'm for impact-driven leaders. I'm for people that want to make an impact in one way or another and are willing to Go into the places that may feel scary to share and be vulnerable as a way to create that impact. Um, I am not for the people that think that by writing a book they're going to make lots of money because that's a whole other thing. You can make money, yes, and I'm not saying money's bad. Money is fantastic, and if you're, I truly believe that if you're leading from the place of I want to create an impact, and you genuinely feel that way, the income follows secondarily. And uh, yeah, it's I, I work with the, the the coaches, the healers, and the transformational leaders of the world that are just committed to impact.
1: Well, that sounds amazing. Um, I remember I wrote my first book last year. I think I launched it early last year, and that is a process. And mm-hmm. and I wrote that book not to make money, but to really to to help other people with what was going on in the world at that time. And. Um, yeah i'm really really interested about what you do because having um someone who knows what it's like to to share a story vulnerably Mm -hmm. so that it can have an impact on others it really creates a safe space for people Mm -hmm. who want to share their vulnerable stories as well and and Mm -hmm. not be afraid to so Mm -hmm. i appreciate what you do So let's go to a break, everyone. And when we come back, we're going to dive deeper into Cherie's book, Surviving Silence. And why
0: now,
1: (laughs) with all of the books that you've written and all of the people you've helped write their book, why did you decide to share your story now? So stick with us, guys, we'll be right back.
0: stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun. Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash burnout this is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most, with host Eva Medalek. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866 472 5795. That's 866 472 5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medalek. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Cherie Trask, and we are talking about her new
1: best selling book, Woohoo, <laughs> Surviving Silence. Now, Cherie, you just shared with us how you spent most of your career helping other people tell their stories. Uh, I think you said the last 11 years or so. Why is now the time for you to tell and share your story?
2: You know, I will tell you exactly what I tell people that come to me wanting to share their stories. There comes a point when your story either feels like too much to hold, too heavy to hold, or everything in your body says, pull the trigger, it's time. We don't always understand why that is, and I think it's really a beautiful lesson in trust. So for me, there were a couple a couple of times actually in the last five years or so that I dabbled in starting to write it. And I had this record playing in my head. You don't have the space to hold for your own story right now. Keep sharing it how you're sharing it. But writing a book is not in the cards right now. You're helping other people just stay in your lane. And the beginning of this year, actually, or I'm sorry, the end of last year, I was like, you know what? It's time. Every, every part of me is, says it's time, yet I still could not figure out how that was going to be possible because there was so much on my plate. So instead, I took things off my plate and I said, I'm going to listen to this voice inside that says it is time to do this thing and I'm going to make that a priority and I'm only going to take one ghostwriting client right now. I'm not going to take anybody else on and I'm going to finish my book. And that's exactly what I did. I wrote it in, I threw away everything I'd ever written, which again is something I tell my clients and do when they come to me, they're like, Oh, I have all these stories we should tell. I'm like, that's great. You should put those away. We're going to start over. <laughs> um, but I did that for myself, finished the book and the process just kept rolling from there. And here we are published and mm-hmm. bestseller and very exciting. That is
1: exciting. And, um, You know, I was thinking as you were sharing that, you know, what, what stood out for me is, you know, time. Like we all, we all talk about time. I mean, this show is called what's important now making time for what matters most. And what I heard you say in creating time, I mean, time comes to those who make it not to those who try to find it, what you did to make time to do something that was vitally important to you. At this time, this was a priority for you. So you took things off your plate, you made space, you created the time so that you can dive into writing your book. And it's a lesson mm-hmm. that we can all use in every area of our lives when we're looking at what's important for us now. And so mm-hmm. now is the time for you. Um, did somebody help you? Like no. How did this price process go? <laughs> did you like take your own take your own course in, in medicine?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, it was one of those things. And again, this is something I see with my clients a lot is once you get the process started, of course, there's things that pop up, there's fears that pop up, there's little, little what I call tests that say, you know, is it actually time to write your book? And so, um, yeah, I mean, there was all the things that come up for my clients, came up for me. I called the chapter three freak out. You get to chapter three and you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? I am not the person to write this book. Nobody's going to read this. This is such a waste of time. You have all of these things in your head. And I did what I tell my clients to do. Go back to your why. So why are you writing it in the first place? Who is this for? Why does it matter? These are all questions that I love digging into at the very beginning of working with anybody is really understanding what's happening because it makes it a lot harder to quit when you're super clear on those things. So I wrote the entire thing myself. I had an editor, which I use with my clients as well, um, and she's amazing. So she went through and she edited. I had beta readers read it for feedback, and um, the feedback was fantastic. So I mean not to say that this book is going to resonate with everybody because it won't not every book does um but from that point i was just like okay hands off here we go (laughs) let's ride the ride and we did it and it was great and congratulations that's that's, thank you that's that's
1: that's a big deal i mean uh i i learned a little bit about your story many years ago when we first met and so i was really happy for you um To hear that you are finally you were putting pen to paper and using this the story to to serve, if you will. Thank you.
2: What is the message you want
1: people to get from the book?
2: Yeah, I the biggest one is really to believe, even if you can't believe it now, like borrow the belief from me from someone else, the healing is possible for all of us, no matter what you've been through. I know that at times it feels absolutely impossible to get through whatever it is you're facing. But I promise you, it is possible you are capable and there are people that want to support that process.
1: Wow. Wow. Now, um, from what I, you know, the little tidbits that I saw from the book, um, you know, we always hear that there's a stigma around i mean because your story involves you know you alluded to it um, when you were sharing in the beginning um a sexual a violent sexual assault what is the stigma around that Mm -hmm. like you know mentally it doesn't compute you were attacked but there's a stigma that causes shame and Mm -hmm. blame and guilt and and all of the things and um you know, I almost said I couldn't experience that, but that wouldn't be a hundred percent true, because there is, you know, an experience that I had where I started to wonder, was I?
0: wasn't mm-hmm. I?
1: What happened mm-hmm. there? Was it my fault? Did mm-hmm. I send the wrong message? Kind of thing. So talk to us a little bit about the stigma
2: yeah so you know you hear this all the time of people questioning the survivor you know asking well what were you wearing were you drinking were you at a party do you maybe not remember saying yes did you actually say no there's all these questions that get asked which the survivor oftentimes is like already in their head right they've created the story like oh my gosh this happened um And it kind of sends a lot of people down a rabbit hole of blame, shame, guilt, all of the things. I was fortunate in that my experience I knew immediately was not my fault. And I didn't have the emotions of blame, shame, guilt from the experience. But I did have blame, shame, guilt from staying silent. So when it comes to the stigma, I think, you know, in my experience, and that of other survivors I've spoken to is very much attaching a label to themselves as bad, wrong, damaged, broken after something like this happens, which is totally understandable and also completely inaccurate. So no matter what kind of trauma we go through, which I truly believe everyone on this planet has some sort of trauma, whether you want to call it trauma or not. Um, We've all been through things. So instead of labeling our experiences with a negative connotation, how can we we then take those experiences and not even place a label on them? Instead say, these things happened and what am I going to do about it? So the stigma of of us being different because these things happened. Well, true, we are, but you're different when anything large happens in your life, good or bad. So I don't, I don't understand why there is such a stigma around um, trauma like this, like rape or anything like that, that there is. But my hope is that this book and so many other incredible books can help to break the stigma and begin to really help the survivor and their loved ones understand that while we're different on the other side of these experiences, the different doesn't have to be bad. The different can actually be incredibly beautiful. And when we give ourselves permission to mourn the version of ourselves that existed before the trauma occurred, and give ourselves permission then to get to know the person that exists now, life opens in beautiful ways and things that we could never have imagined had we not done that.
1: What did you learn about, what did you learn about yourself and, you know, not everything for sure, but what did you learn about or from staying silent?
2: That it's, by remaining silent, I was only hurting myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Have you delved into the reason you chose to stay silent for so long?
2: Yeah, I mean, I knew immediately why I stayed silent. For me, that wasn't a secret. Um, I was in college and I was 19 and I had just moved to San Diego a year previous or prior from a small town in Washington state. And I was very much like, I don't know a lot of people here. I'm just trying to get through college. I'm trying to, you know, be a teenager and grow up on my own and all of these things. And I didn't want to be seen as different. I didn't want the label. I didn't want people to ask me questions. I just wanted to move on with my life. And, and that would be it. But the thing is, is we don't move on from trauma. We learn to move forward with it. And once we we get that, I really believe that life, I don't want to say becomes easier because there's always gonna be challenges, but I do think that it becomes more easier to navigate, I guess.
1: Yeah, we grow, we grow a muscle. You know, when you said that, you know, we we move with with the trauma, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, there was a I was working with my coach a couple of weeks ago in North Carolina and she you know, she did this visual, which was great. Like you just have your, your crap in a, in a giant garbage bag behind you. And it's just coming with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you just, you know, you don't have to hide it, bury it, deny that it happened, but you bring it with you and you use it. It's just not the, all of who you are, if you will, but it's, it's a part of who you are Mm -hmm. and it's a part of what makes you you how you've been able to grow and develop what you've been able to build out of it so to speak and we don't need to hide it we yeah. don't need to hide it so if i heard you correctly you you chose the silence because of the stigma mm-hmm. yeah interesting yep. interesting and what did you have to do to free yourself from that stigma
2: I when I first shared my story for the first time, it literally fell out of my mouth. I did not plan it. It was almost as if my body was like, I can't hold this anymore. And it was on a date with somebody actually, that it was only like our second or third date, I can't remember exactly, but it just fell out of my mouth. And I looked at him with wide eyes. And I was like, holy shit, I can't take that back. <laughs> it's out, <laughs> you know. So once that happened, I felt in a huge release in my body. And it was six months later that I began speaking on stages. And that was 2004. Um, began speaking on stages about this experience. And I've been speaking ever since.
1: Wow. Wow. So it, it just got to the point where you couldn't hold it anymore. to could the pimple popped, if you will. <laughs> yep,
2: yep, it did. And it was messy. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure
1: there was some blood in that. Um, so post the assault and the violence and the trauma that you experienced, what was the worst experience that you've had after that? Whether it's been related to telling your story or sharing your story or um, you know, and I, I want to keep it kind of around this because, mm-hmm. you know, we automatically expect or assume that most people will be receiving and kind and, and nice about it. But
2: mm-hmm.
1: have you experienced any negative reactions from sharing your story?
2: I don't know that I would call it negative. I I definitely got some pretty deep inquisition. (laughs) My mom, you know, she, we're super, super close. And when I, you know, of course I hadn't told her what had happened. And, and so when I started opening up about it publicly and I shared it with her and all of those things, her first instinct was, why are you sharing so deep, something so deeply personal with the world? And I was like, it's not for me. It's for anyone else that it can help because I wish that I would have been able to speak up. It doesn't mean you have to go on a public platform and speak. I'm not saying that, but to be able to get it out of your mouth and out of your body so that you can begin to heal and find freedom. And so as I was explaining this to her, I could I could tell in her voice that she was like bothered by it. And she'd always been super supportive. So I was like, why are you so upset about this. I'm not understanding the connection here. And I have permission to share this. Um, She shared with me that she had been sexually assaulted as well at 19. And she got huge backlash from it when she told her parents they didn't believe her. They told her to just be quiet, all of these things. And so I was like, ah, so that's the thing. Let's talk about that. So if anything, it opened up a really beautiful dialogue to be able to get to know my mom on a different level in that way and and be able to kind of connect on a deeper level. So really, I believe like any, any kind of feedback that I've gotten at all, it may not have always been comfortable, but so far, it's always brought more of a beautiful conversation and a depth to the relationship, whether I know the person intimately or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, and as parents, you know, the the first instinct is to protect your child, of course, from, from hurt. And, you know, she clearly had, was hurt by her parents' reaction and, and disbelief, mm-hmm. which which happens a lot from Definitely. the stories that I hear that are shared, which mm-hmm. still, to me, boggles the mind, that whole denial, and it couldn't, and that's that would be the stigma. Well, mm-hmm. you must have caused it, or what did you do, or whatever the the traumatic experience or assault is. So, mm-hmm. wow, that was a beautiful opportunity mm-hmm. that opened Absolutely. up between you and your mom. And so um, tell me one of the, before we you know break, break again, one of the um, most positive or good feedback that you've received from sharing your story, because you speak publicly, so I'm sure people have had opportunity to share how that what that meant to them.
2: Yeah, um the best thing that I've heard to this date and this has happened multiple times now with the book too is your story changed my life and gave me the courage to share mine. That's that's all that I need. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah. worth it.
1: That makes it worth it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I think that's a good time to take a little short break. Um, when we come back, let's talk about, I know you have exercises in your book that will help the readers on their own healing journeys. So when we come back, I want to just go a little bit into what that is, how you discovered them and you know, how they actually help people on their own healing journeys from whatever um, trauma or, Um, violence or assault that they may have experienced so
0: we'll be right back after this short break having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition not something you have exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, You sent them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com/quiz. We don't follow, we lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelek. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelek. Okay, so we're back with Sheree Trask, and we are talking about
1: how we can survive the silence of experiencing trauma. Uh, We talked a little bit about um, why people stay silent, what causes them to stay stay silent, um, some of the shame, blame, and guilt people feel when they are victimized. Sheree, now, I know you have some exercises in the book that help uh, victims, I, and uh, yeah, victims, if you will, of uh, being victimized uh, by a sexual assault or any kind of traumatic experience that helps with the healing journey. How did you discover these?
2: Through trial and error. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was very much jumping into certain things, some of them professionally guided, some of them just things that felt intrinsically for me the way to go. Um, yeah. So what type? uh,
1: Yeah, let's go get into some of some of the exercises. Maybe something that whoever's listening to right now might be able to start to implement before they before the book arrives when they order it.
2: Yeah. So to give a caveat to that, um, this book is written in chapters, right? But every chapter poses a question that I asked on my own journey healing as well as questions that other people I've spoken to have asked themselves. So chapter one, for example, is called, why me? We we all tend to ask that question, like, why did this happen to me? So, um, I have journal prompts that people can go through as well as exercises. And I won't go into all of the journal prompts here, but I think one of the most important and transformative exercises that I did personally, and that I've had clients do, whether they're writing a book or otherwise is writing a closure letter letter to the experience, the person, whatever that looks like. So, Whatever you're holding on to that you want to release, this is your opportunity to say, now is my time. Something that can support, and I'll go into what that looks like, but something that can support that process before you write the closure letter is to have a candle closure ceremony. So it's a very simple practice. And what that can look like is state your intention take two candles and you're going to put them side by side you're going to place a like a rope of sorts around the candle one candle is your story and the other candle is you so once you tie that thin string around the two candles you're going to light the candles and once they come down and they get to the bottom they'll either break the string, whatever that looks like, or they'll just continue moving and the string will fall off. And that's kind of your way of saying my story and I, while we are part of one another, are no longer tied together as one and I can move forward. So the closure letter to give you an example, I'll I'll read you mine. It's very brief. Um, The biggest thing is to be intentional when you're deciding to do this and to hold your, your pieces, I call them, with compassion and care, because there can be a lot of emotions that come up through this process and that's completely normal and that's okay. But to know that whatever comes up is perfect in that moment and it it, it doesn't have to look a certain way, bottom line. So the one I wrote, for example, is Dear Rape, I now release the vow I made to use my pain for a purpose for all of my days. I did what I said I would do and create a positive change in the world. And now I am ready to close this chapter and move on to my next mission. I am proud of the way I showed up to help myself and others heal. Thank you. I am now complete. I love you, Cherie. So it's just a way to say, I'm acknowledging you. I'm not saying that you didn't exist. I'm not trying to push you away or make you bad or wrong, but I don't need to keep holding on to you and attaching myself to you. I don't need the label of survivor in order to be a survivor. I don't need to constantly regurgitate the story over and over again to know that it happened. And that was a big reason why, you know, you asked before I knew it was time to write my book. I was telling the story to a healer friend of mine. And I was like, oh my God, I'm just so done telling the story. And she's like, huh, are you? Well, why do you feel like you still need to tell it? I was like, it's a good point. So, it, for me, it was like, well, write the write the book. If people want to talk about it, they want to know all of the details, they can grab the book. I don't need to keep telling it anymore. and it, it was kind of the permission slip I didn't know I needed at the time. How
1: long after the incident did you were you able to write the closure letter?
2: I wrote that while I was writing this book.
1: Ah. Yeah. Now, do you find that because you're on promotion for the book, of course? Do you find that how it well, let me ask you this. How has the experience talking about your story as it relates to promoting the book been for you after the closure it, letter?
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's been fine. I haven't felt there's not a charge around it. There hasn't been a charge around it in a long time. But I think more so now I feel some relief. And that I've said what I needed to say because I've had people already asking, like, well, when are you going to write your second book? And it's like, I don't feel the need to write a second book. Like I said what I needed to say. Um, I'm sure other things will happen in my life, but I know that this was what I was supposed to write about because also it's not just about my experience of rape. It's my experience of being traumatized from as long as I can remember in different scenarios, starting in the womb with an abusive father. So like this goes on and on and on. This was a story that was continuing to happen in my life. And I feel like with this book and people coming to me now about this book, it's more so I am breaking the cycle of this continuing in my life any longer. It stops now. So- yeah. So
1: how long are these candles? Because I actually had this visual of like a tall stick candle and you're waiting yeah. like eight or ten hours for that.
2: <laughs> I and mean, you can literally use birthday candles if you want to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's yeah. gonna
1: take a long time to break that. <laughs> <laughs> that journey. I'm looking around my house at candles like, where are the-, the candles? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I love that you mentioned that that there were there were other experiences that you share in the book, and I know you also talk about abandonment. Mm-hmm. Expand on that a little bit for our listeners.
2: Yeah, so I, I've carried this story, and probably until three years ago, quite honestly, and it still comes up sometimes. The story of abandonment, and it started, you know, when I was very young. I never knew my biological father. My mother never spoke ill of him, but I did know that he was abusive and. What cut the tie between them is while she was pregnant, he had come home. He was an addict. He had come home wasted and started arguing with her. And he kicked her in the stomach. And she was like, done. This isn't happening. This is not happening for me or my child. You're out. And that was it. And from that point forward, there was a constant, there was constantly... Pieces of my story that would show up that would reiterate what I believe to be true that people come into my life. They take what they want and then they leave me. So when my mom got married for the first time, I was 10 years old, but they had been together since I was six or seven. And I was very close to him. He was the only person i had ever called dad, super good relationship. And when they got divorced, I was 17. And he never spoke to me again. Fast forward a couple of years, I'm raped. And I'm like, Oh, so now I'm just a piece of meat. Great. From that point, uh, there was a lot of stuff that happened in the professional environment with um, men taking advantage and me not asserting myself and getting pissed off about it, but not vocalizing it. So I stayed silent in those situations as well, which is a big reason why I'm such an advocate for people to speak up now. Um, There was an incident with a guy I had been dating for a year and a half. Which I cared for, you know, very deeply, and he just disappeared one day, (laughs) and that was it. So I could go into all of these stories, right? But bottom line is, there was constantly this record playing. Like, see, I told you. See, I told you. See, I told you, because it kept happening. And so, with this book, I was committed, and I'm still committed because, again, as I said, it still shows up from time to time. I'm committed to breaking that story from my mind and ask and taking a pause when I have these moments where it comes up and being like, okay, is this true? What evidence do you have? Or is this just your trauma talking? Is this the ego trying to keep you small, right? Having these conversations with myself and it is very challenging at times because it, it, you know, I'm in my 40s now, but it lasted a really long time of my life. <laughs> so breaking that now as an adult is a very different experience, I think, than had I started this sooner, which again is one of the things I hope this book helps people do is to start that now or at least dive deeper into it at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean... You know, I was feeling for you in 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 those instances where, you know, and I think we've all, especially women, probably women more than men, or I can only speak from a women's perspective, have had that feeling like ugh, again, yeah me, again, the why me? Like you talked yeah. about in one of your you know, the first chapter, Why me? Why are they leaving me? Why are they abandoning me? Why does this keep happening to me? What's wrong sure. with me? Exactly. and um, and that keeps a lot of folks silent that keeps a lot of folks from even trying or attempting to move forward we get kind of stuck in like if i try it's going not going to work out the same thing's going to happen again so why would i even bother and they Mm -hmm. put these walls of protection around their heart their feelings their emotions and it really um stifles our our growth and our creativity and our journey and so how How do folks start to heal from those seemingly patterns? Like the same Mm. thing happens again. I'm attracting Mm. the same type partners in my life that treat me a certain type of way. Mm. How do we start to break the pattern, if you will, of what we think about ourselves Mm-hmm. And become more empowered and more vocal about asking for what we want and need in relationships and in other areas of our lives, whether it's business relationships or personal relationships to begin to break that pattern.
2: Yeah. So a, a big piece is obviously the the self-talk, right? So looking at the conversations that we're having with ourselves from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, when things happen in our lives, what are we making those things mean? Right. We're the one that give them meaning. So, you know, you and I could be having this same experience right now, but our perception of this experience might be completely different based on our past and and all of those things. So really looking at the things that happen in our life objectively i think is super super important so making sure that you're getting honest about how you're showing up in the world how you're speaking to yourself it's not to say and i hate when people say this like oh if if you keep detracting the same thing then it's completely your fault it's like right to a degree sure i'm there's a component to that great But it's also not your fault you were raped, not your fault that you were cheated on, not your fault that all of these things happened in your life. Did you play a role in some capacity? Maybe it's just that you were there, right? But that doesn't make it your fault. So looking at these three things through the lens of love and compassion and deciding I'm not going to make myself a victim any longer. I'm committed to being a survivor and somebody who perseveres and I'm going to figure out how to move through this in a way that feels best for me, regardless of how it looks to the outside world.
1: Wow. You know, it, it really, you <laughs> really got me with the self-talk thing. That was something that I personally had to work on a lot. And I noticed that the self-talk has a lot to do with was manifesting in my life and, um, And it's also nobody wants to hear negative self-talk, really. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. know, take that, take that ish somewhere else, if you will. Yeah. So with all that you do, my dear, what matters most to you?
2: I just want people to feel seen and heard and know that somebody understands them and wants to support them.
1: How can folks get in touch with you, get the book? I mean, I am really interested in all these exercises that you have in each chapter to to help folks heal. So um, how can they get the book and learn more about you and your ghostwriting services and and all of that?
2: Yeah, it's all super simple. So my website is just shereetrask.com. You can find a link to the book under the media tab, or you can go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble online. Search Surviving Silence Sheree Trask. You will find the book. It is available. Um, And on social media, it's just Sheree Trask across the board.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, your survival, your voice with us. I'm sure it's going to help so many others survive the silence that trauma may have brought into their lives. Uh, I want to thank our listeners for choosing to listen to the show today. I'm so grateful to have you with us each and every week and really hoping that you find something for yourselves in listening to the show and our amazing guests that we have on week to week. And please join us again next week. Share the show out with your friends and family, people who you might know are um, in the silence of their their trauma and their abuse or their violence. As usual, I want to leave you with a quote. Uh, This one is from Stephen King from The Green Mile, which I didn't even know he wrote, but one of my favorite movies. And this quote says, time takes it all, whether you want it to or not. (laughs) Hmm, That's something to chew on. So thank you again for joining. Thank you, Cherie, for sharing your amazing story in your book. And until next time, bye for now.
0: Thanks for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.